Welcome to The Thought Police with me, Mike Graham, and him, Kevin O'Sullivan. Brought to you, as ever, by the good people at Manscaped.com. And you might think it's a bit early for Christmas, but you know what? The Christmas lights are all up, people are doing Christmas shopping, and so it's never too early, actually, to play holiday music. Kevin might not like it, but I don't mind it, to be honest. So, whether it's for friends or friends in your pants, you can make this a season to be jolly with Manscaped. Do your little drummer boy a favour and use the lawnmower 4 to avoid another silent night in the bedroom. Then add in Manscaped's top-of-the-line shower products to have the people thinking, all I want for Christmas <laughs> is you. Santa cares about his sack and so should you. So look nice when you get naughty by going to manscaped.com and using the code, which is, of course, police. It's free shipping and it's 20% off. So what you do is you go to manscaped.com, use the code POLICE, and this is especially and exclusively for Thought Police listeners, people who listen to this podcast. So if you want to get a really good deal from Manscaped, don't forget to tell people to listen to our podcast. The Manscaped Platinum Package 4 is the one-stop shop for the man who wants it all and who deserves it all, okay? Here's what you get. Uh, You get the best-selling performance package plus ultra-premium body wash, ultra-premium two-in-one shampoo and conditioner and ultra-premium deodorant. It's the best way to smell fresh from your Santa hat to your candy cane. You see what they did there? And the lawnmower 4 body trimmer and the weed whacker nose and ear trimmer uh, actually feature proprietary advanced skin-safe technology to protect your delicate presence. This is a great thing, ladies and gentlemen. And with Christmas coming up, even if you don't have any balls, you might know somebody who does, who might be very keen to have them looked after, either by you or by themselves. So here's what you do. Get 20% off, free shipping with the code POLICE at manscaped.com. All you've got to do is go to that website, 20% off with free shipping. Thanks to the Thought Police, me and Kevin O'Sullivan, manscaped.com. Get your jingle balls ready for Christmas. Welcome to part two of me and Kevin O'Sullivan's visit to Battlefest 22 at the Academy of Ideas. It's really good. It's a really good program, but the, the values are really horrible. I mean, they're really shit. You know, when you kind of look at the, the, the way in which people are personified... And I think these cultural pressures are so powerful. And what they do is two things. First of all, they make public life very difficult. Because anybody who's a public persona, even if you're on Twitter, can become the target of somebody. I mean, just about anybody can have you, or at least give you an uncomfortable Mm. time, just because in in accusing you. Which is very often going on, uh, even as we speak, all the time. We were talking earlier about, you know, they want to protect people from being abused because of some, um, you know, disability or because of their sexual attitudes or because of their gender or whatever it is. But they don't protect the likes of you and I. There's an absolute hijack. I think it's even worse. I'm constantly being told, trans people, we must have these laws in place because they're uniquely vulnerable. They're going to commit suicide. And as a disabled person, I can say... The disabled are the most vulnerable minority in this country. We're the ones who don't get jobs and live in poverty and live in fear that our support services are going to be taken away. So this narrative is is wholly corrupting, not just for the reasons we're We shouldn't use the word vulnerable, period, because the the minute you have vulnerable groups, then that reinforces identity politics quite quite sort of of strongly. And I I think what has happened is that by 
creating these these different groups of you know these are vulnerable groups, those are vulnerable groups. You create the situation that needs special protection. They need to be treated differently. But, but Frank, the disabled do have an identifiable identity, and we do need special protection sure. because we are vulnerable. These concepts are useful, but they've been hijacked. So you've got white middle class men Everyone's of privilege yeah. who yeah. put on a wig, who put on a dress for a couple of days, like Philip Bunce, and suddenly they are brave and stunning, and they are beyond criticism, beyond people have Very also unreal. hijacked disability haven't they because now oh, you, anyone can be disabled you can self-identify you know. into yeah, disability exactly right but you <laughs> can also go you know you can it's also it's not s- a joke it's no. happening who wants to do is. that no. the no, SNP are no, getting are uh, inviting people to self-identify as disabled yeah. and get preferential treatment even if they're Olympic athletes I said to Julie Hartley Brewer I said you know once I said you know all disability is not visible she said fucking yours are but you know, the point is, is that you know we're joking about all of this, but imagine in a different setting, the jokes that we're currently making, uh, which which are absolutely and utterly fine and dandy for everybody sitting here. Mm-hmm. You know, there could be people reporting you for this kind of stuff. And we were talking earlier about how you get called a fascist on a regular basis. I call a racist on a regular basis on social media. Nobody does anything about it. You know, if I report somebody for threatening to kill me. It, I get an email about three days later saying this has not violated no, up no. If, Harry, if Harry Miller hadn't go, great, gone marvelous. to the Court of Appeal and done what he did, we would all be arrested for these conversations. Yeah. Can, I, can I just go back a step, Sarah? You said that disability is an identity. So why, I mean, why should we not be able to protect disabled people? No, without, I'm not saying it's an identity. It's identifiable. I am more right. than okay. my disability. I, I, I don't wake up in the morning and think, I am Sarah yeah. Fillmore, a disabled yeah. woman. But every time the lift is out at my local court and I have to trudge up two flights of stairs, you're damn well sure I'm thinking I, about I, my disability. I, I get that. But so it's I, identifiable, and I do deserve extra protection and reasonable adjustments. But I totally agree with you. I don't think we're at odds here to make things about identity and claim special treatment because your identity is so special and so vulnerable, it requires some objective definition. I've got a very objective test on my disability. I can take my leg off and wave it around if you like. (laughs) But saying that I feel like I should have been a man, oh, goodness me, let let me have the the flesh stripped from my arm and constructed into a fake penis, that's a whole different ballgame. We need to be a lot more careful about The point I was trying to make is that, I mean, I think you're absolutely right, but once people see disability as an identity, then just about anybody can identify as disabled. And that's where we've come to I think to we're where, agreeing. I think you know, that's yeah, really, and, really and dangerous. Because it dilutes everything, doesn't it, yeah. in yeah. the end? And so, you know, you've sort of gone from having people who need special attention over there to everybody wanting it. And we and create a so fantasy you can't world. Do that. But the most frightening, frightening aspect of all of this, it is the police who fuel this. So uh, I was discussing this the other night on a TV show, and I've just reminded myself of it. The recent figures revealed that there's been an alarming 16% increase over the past year uh, in uh, transgender hate crimes, uh, hate crimes against tran- transgender people. Uh, now, the thing is that uh, what they're talking about is that if I pick up the phone and I phone the police station and say I'm a trans person and somebody just called me a nasty name they write it down Uh, no one is ever accused there's no investigation nothing happens they write it down that is a hate crime it isn't a hate crime it's a phone call Uh, and the police uh, they give us these statistics so it looks as if hate crimes are really important because they're rising and they're rising you should should do a show on, on statistics because have you seen the statistics about suicides rising and rising you know trans people are committing you know suicide oh, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, and actually, when you, when you look at it, what, what, what they really are talking about is, is, is a normal thing. When you were a teenager, you might have said, life is really shit. I want to commit suicide. Mm. Now that gets kind of recorded as a, as a suicidal thought, and, and it's kind of seen in, a, in an entirely different way. When you actually look at statistics, real statistics of who, people who've killed themselves, it tells look, a very, very different story. If you look story. at the basis of where we got this narrative from, that trans people are uniquely vulnerable, I think the person blogged about this, saying she literally wrote it down on the back of an envelope, I'm not kidding, saying one in 12 trans people are murdered. Now, she was later asked to defend that figure, and she said, Sounds well, I was, yeah. I was looking at South um, American sex workers. And yeah, there's really high rates of, of those people being murdered because they're in a very dangerous profession. Sure. In this country, I don't think a single trans person, thank goodness, has been murdered in the last three years. But we have the police actually relying on that statistic, yeah, yeah, yeah. saying I, one in 12 trans people are murdered. I, I think all their statistics, as a sociologist, I can confirm are really made up on the back yeah. of an envelope. But we also had this kind of madness, didn't we, with Sarah Everard. Sarah Everard's murder created this entire movement of women who wanted, uh, in some cases, men to stop going out after 6pm, you know, because women were getting murdered. Well, men are getting murdered as well. In fact, more men are getting murdered every single day than women are. But it became, again, this kind of ridiculous Yeah, but they're, notion. they're getting murdered by men. So the problem yeah. here well, is Well, they're still getting men. murdered. I yeah, mean, yeah. if I'm getting murdered, I don't care who's murdering me. I'm still <laughs> dead. <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, women don't need special protection from murder. We all need special protection from being murdered, no, don't we? women need special protection from men. There is no doubt mm. about that. The v- women are far, far more at risk of being hurt, sexually abused or killed by a man than a man is by a woman. Yes, and but they're not at more back. risk of being murdered... At all, are they? No, no, because, because, because more men, men, men are, are really murdered. violent. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Men, men murder men and women. They, yeah. they do lots of murdering. That, that's yeah. men for you. That's why we need That's a bit, single... a bit of a sweeping statement. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's it might be why... time for you to get your leg out and start I mean, waving it around. I mean, this so... is why we need single-sex spaces for women. And this is why women shouldn't have to carry out individual risk assessments. I'm sure you're all lovely men, but I ought to be entitled to say, in spaces where I sleep or undress, you're not coming in whether you're wearing a wig and calling yourself Jane No, I get that. Yeah. I get that. But, but what I don't want you to be saying is, therefore, you shouldn't be walking around at night because you might want to rape me or murder me. No. Because that's what a lot of women were saying, yeah. Yeah. particularly these extremist I, groups. And I, I think that's, I that should be them. condemned. The shock and the horror, watching Sarah Everard on that CCTV, standing there meekly while that man put handcuffs on her, was one of the most horrible things yeah. I've ever I agree. seen. Yeah. And I will never forget it. And I'm not going to judge women for this reaction because it was one of fear and anger and terror that not only the police are not protecting us they're the ones murdering us mm. you're right it's disproportionate you and crazy that, for but, curfew but, but, i do but it's disproportionate as well to from. even say that because you know the police are not murdering women this was a particularly bad policeman and a particularly bad This man. was a policeman who drove through a McDonald's drive-thru waving his dick about yeah, I know. and nothing was done. No, I get that. So yeah. I think we're allowed yeah, to be can, really, you're really, allowed, really Yeah, but you've got to be careful, though. The, the thing is, we, we can be ang- angry about a specific act, but the reality is that on balance, our lives are far safer than we suspect, and we mm-hmm. have a fairly hysterical attitude towards crime. And particular groups make, you know, sort of imagine that they're under much greater danger than they really are. So the sensible reaction to that is that people should be allowed to make the precautions that they wish. If they want to be secure, that's fine. 
But at the same time, it mustn't interfere with people's freedom to move around, their no. mobility, no. To, to be themselves. Because freedom is, is freedom, and with yeah. freedom you have to take certain risks. I okay? absolutely agree with you that, that to ask for a curfew on men in response to Sarah Everard's murder is disproportionate. Yeah. But I think this is coming from a place of real fear. No, and that's that. why I think this is very different with the, the trans debate, because as Frank is saying, the statistics that back them up are utterly bogus. Before this started, I was telling you about this app called Zoteria. Yeah. So check it out if you haven't. It's sponsored by Vodafone and Stonewall. It's not a report that goes straight to the police. They're gathering data. So this time next year, they can tell us that hate crimes against trans people have risen. It's Z-O-T-E-R-I-A, Zoteria. When I logged on yesterday, I was um, shown a link to an event where I could lick a large lollipop and asked if I was looking for fun. So I'm not sure if the focus is really here on hate crime. But they define hate crime in this way. Hate crime is a name for homophobia, transphobia, or biphobic abuse. I thought, oh, I thought, what is it? Is there such a thing as heterophobia? I thought, no. that, that, <laughs> that is not the definition of a hate crime. No. No. They make that up. I yeah. thought Zoteria was a form of venereal disease. Should we um, uh, change course a bit and talk about moral censorship? Uh, well, do you know what? I want to talk about net zero before you do that. All right. Because uh, that's another issue which has completely paralysed this country and probably most of the world. You know, most yeah. world governments now, most individual countries have got this mad net zero kind of uh, uh, obsession and we got to the, the problems where we have high energy costs now for all sorts of reasons but way before Putin ever invaded Ukraine, energy prices had already doubled last year mm-hmm. nobody will accept that net zero has any part to play in this and I'll tell you what's really insidious and this has only just happened recently, Ofcom have now put out a new declaration about net zero that if you are broadcasting and if you are considering talking about net zero and considering talking about climate change, if you have anybody on your broadcast who is questioning whether climate change is happening or whether the, the, the human race is, is responsible for it, you must give equal time to those who believe that humans are to blame for it. Is, is that uh, because so it's, it's a hate crime to be against? Well, yeah, yeah, I right, think that's yeah. the way it's going. It is, yeah. it is the way they think. That's the, the thing, way it's going. The thing is, the thing is listen, if, if, if somebody can provide me with... Uh, cast iron scientific evidence that greenhouse gases uh, and by extension humanity are causing climate change then I'll be out there with Extinction Rebellion saying just stop oil and all that crap Uh, the point is there is no scientific evidence to prove that humanity is causing climate change that climate change is caused by greenhouse gases there are those who believe it and there a lot of scientists believe it but there are also many scientists who don't but you're using the word believe and that's the point exactly it's It's a bit like Sarah your situation with the trans debate you are you are forced to, to believe something that plainly is not provable. But even, even if humanity is responsible for some of the climate change, that doesn't lead to uh, the conclusion that we need to have a zero, net, net zero policy because uh, the, there's a distinction between the science and the policies that we pursue. Yeah, but there's no science to prove to prove it. So it's extraordinary that most, uh, certainly all Western countries, countries all over the world, are basing their entire energy policies uh, on a theory 
that has not been proved. Which is also being subsidised uh, by there, us. You know, there, there's, yeah. a, there's a new... Um, uh, you remember the great Barrington Declaration yeah. against lockdowns and the COVID orthodoxy? Well, there's a new uh, declaration. It's called the Climate Declaration, uh, which has been signed by 1,200 eminent scientists, uh, climate change experts from around the world, from, uh, you know, kind of two-bit universities like Oxford, Harvard, MIT, <laughs> that kind of thing, who say that there is no evidence to suggest humanity or greenhouse gases are causing climate change and this hysteria must stop. So there is another side of but the argument. But they'll be ignored like the bank And, and, and yet when, you, when you state this, so as I say, I want proof before I join the bandwagon. Yeah. Well, uh, and if you state this, they say, oh, well, you see, you, the majority of scientists disagree with you. Well, that's no good. We, we cannot be ruled by a kind of a consensus. I, I, I get but, but the, to me, I'm not a scientist, so I just don't know one way or the other. I certainly aren't. <laughs> and, uh, but what, the thing that I do know is that the science is being used to control our lives, and the science mm -hmm. is being used to tell us we cannot fly, that we cannot put the lights on, that we shouldn't be eating meat, that we shouldn't be having children. They even want us to have, stop having kids anymore because it's bad for the, you know, bad for the planet. So for me, uh, this has become a moral mission rather than a scientific mm -hmm. mission, and it's really about moralizing our lives to the extent to which sins become green sins rather than traditional sins. Mm -hmm. And under those circumstances, I've led to the conclusion that the net zero policies are really a controlling mechanism rather than a sensible it's doomsday way. cultism, I think. I mean, these, these people, uh, they want us to revert to a kind of medieval existence. They're kind of, well, what they really are is they're anti-capitalists. I, I think it's much bigger and more frightening than that. This is just another illustration of the collapse of the ability to think and to accept challenge disagreeing with somebody's argument is now being held up as an attack on them as a person mm -hmm. and it makes you morally wrong. Now as Frank says, I'm not a scientist, I'm not equipped to enter the climate change debate I have to trust the people in charge to know what they're doing, but the fact that we can't even have these conversations without people getting very upset and, and calling you a fascist or a, making... A denier. Yeah, questioning okay. your, your, your worth as a the human for having that view. They usually call you a, cli you're a climate denier. Yeah. You can't deny climate. You I mean, might decline what, what, climate, climate change. You're a COVID yeah. denier, you're a climate denier. But, but why are people so afraid to deny a climate? of defending <laughs> their own position? Mm. I mean, that, the whole COVID, climate, Brexit, the trans yeah. issue, it all, it's yeah. all tentacles denier, on the same yeah. octopus. Yeah. That to deny your views is seen as an attack and that's what the police are encouraging with all this hate crime. Mm. We are just stripping people of the ability to actually defend their position yeah. and to enjoy doing it. Yeah. It's really, really the, the, worrying. You know, the, the, the climate change fanatics, the people who sort of shoot me down, I mean, they, they base their lives on a certitude that is based on something that is not certain. Uh, so they are, you know, the most frightening people in the world. You see these Just Stop Oil people, those idiots, yeah. uh, you know, defacing the Van Gogh picture yesterday. You look in their eyes and there's this sort of mad <laughs> yeah. attitude. We are right. We are right. Well, maybe you're not. My, my point is, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know what the cause of climate change is. I don't know if we're responsible. I accept that we may well be, but I also accept that we might not be. And until we get a conclusive answer, surely it is madness to base all energy policy on just a theory. The best thing about Western civilization for me is that we used to celebrate skepticism. We used to understand that science yes. could not have I was, developed. I was raised to be skeptical. <coughs> yeah, that's yeah. Right. Right. I mean, science could not have emerged. And now they call us climate skeptics, 
you know, Eurosceptics, yeah. COVID, and, and the, the word skeptic has acquired this malevolent, insult, a kind of a malevolent mm. connotation oh, to it. Oh, you're a skeptic. And that, <laughs> that tells us that we're in big trouble. Yeah. In a really big right. trouble. Because, I mean, the whole ethos that comes from the UN, possibly the most useless organisation that was ever invented. Right? No, there is. There are even more. I don't know what they're for. Right? <laughs> the EU? Um, well, the EU is not as bad as the UN, though. I mean, the UN's got even more money. It does even less. It does even less. You know, um, but they're the ones driving this. They keep talking about the International Panel on Climate Change. These are the same people who, in 1990, said the Canary Wharf would be underwater by 2002. You know, it isn't. Um, and it's not because they built the Thames Barrier, and it's not because I stopped mirrors there, more's the pity. Yeah. Well, they're down to one floor instead of three, though. You know? um, but, yeah, the thing is, you know, they're talking about reducing. We must reduce the, 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 the increase in temperature, otherwise terrible things will happen. When there's clearly evidence that parts of the world... Uh, are doing better than they used to do. The coral yeah. reef in, in, in Australia is, is, is yeah, much yeah, is actually yeah. fixing, its, is fixing yeah. itself. There's parts of the South Pole, I think, that are getting colder. Uh, so there's more ice. Uh, parts of the North Pole, there's less ice. You know, there's all sorts of stories, but you're not supposed to talk about it. And you're not. And also, I, I, whenever I ask anybody what net zero is, because I ask people a lot particularly the fanatics, they can't answer it. They don't really know what net zero is. Yeah. They think it's about carbon um, uh, replacement, you know, uh, yeah. or, you know, making sure that if you fly, you can plant some trees. I mean, my favourite story is Chris Martin from Coldplay, um, who did a world tour, which probably used a gazillion watts oh, oh, of energy. Where are you going with this? It's funny. Um, and he planted a load of trees in Sri Lanka to make up for it. And unfortunately, it was so hot in Sri Lanka <laughs> the that they all went on fire and burned yeah. down, yeah. Um, which I'm pretty sure isn't... Stewing carbon isn't, into yeah. the atmosphere. Yeah. Which I'm pretty sure wasn't the plan, you know. No, um, no. So thankfully, Coldplay have now but promised never to tour the, again, which is great you, news. What about the... You know, it's extraordinary. Keir Starmer's going to get away with it. Boris was the same. Uh, the, the, the way these politicians in this country, in Britain, successfully sell their carbon net zero fanaticism uh, to a compliant population, they're saying, oh, come on, you, you know, don't use your car, as you said, Frank. You know, don't have kids, don't fly, do they? We've got to get to carbon net zero. So uh, that's the British policy. So uh, Boris, uh, you know, his fantasy is we'll do it by 2050. As Mike says, um, what even is carbon net zero? And I bet we we don't do it by 2050. That's not the point. Suppose we did achieve it. Would it in any way uh, improve the planet's ecological state? No. Not one bit, because we produce 1% of the world's pollution. China, meanwhile, produces uh, 28%. Uh, I think Russia, 15%. Uh, India, 7%. And the list goes on. Uh, we have, uh, you know, we've got, we've got this mad windmill and solar panel projects going on that will never fuel this country. Uh, we have three remaining coal fuel power stations. Uh, China uh, has 1,050 uh, coal fuel power stations. Uh, it is currently building 300 more and has just launched an exploration project to find more coal yeah. so unless we can persuade China and Russia and Brazil, funny enough Australia uh, big emitters of carbon uh, and America to change their ways, we are wasting our time, so why should we reduce our lifestyle just for some kind of virtue signalling project, it's well, ridiculous. And, and, and why don't we build more nuclear power stations yeah. I, I don't understand that And these days there's a technology where you can build small nuclear power stations. They're very efficient. And from an environmental point of view, they are really yeah, good as well. Mm. And yet there's this kind of hesitation to make that commitment to something that will allow us 
to carry on with life in the way that we have to. I mean, presumably, because we haven't really spoken that much about it, this kind of crisis that we keep falling over, there's a crisis of everything, you know, the crisis of NHS is in crisis, you know, the borders are in crisis. The crisis of crises. Crisis of crises. <laughs> Will it ever actually change, do you think, Frank, to the point where at least some, I mean, Germany are now having to think about it again. They're having to go back to nuclear power. They're having to stop relying on Russian gas. Do you think there will ever come a point where governments will actually somehow sit up and take notice of what's going on and say, actually, maybe we should just not bother with this net zero crap and we should continue to dig for oil and drill for oil, drill for gas, because that's the most efficient way to do everything. Well, that's already happening. Even Germany, which is like the worst country in the world when it comes to all this environmental fantasy, they're, they're now starting to uh, sort of bring back coal, coal faces again for the first time. Mm. They're even talking about uh, building nuclear power stations. And I think they're realizing that uh, they literally are in the, on, on the cusp of destroying their economy yeah. by their silly policies. And I, what's really happening now is that the competition for energy resources is so intense. Everybody's going out mm. to Qatar, to North Africa to get their hands on oil, that uh, whether, we, whether they like it or not, their net zero policies are going to be, you know, sort of compromised by, by reality. Basically, reality will have the last Ang- word. Angela Merkel, the worst overrated politician in history, a, a colossus of Europe. <laughs> but she, she was, was a an scientist. absolute disaster. She must have been great. This is the other great thing. Is if you're a scientist, you must be a really, really bright yeah, yeah, person. She's the East German scientist. On a more general point, Mike, one of my favourite quotes is from um, the psychologist Carl Rogers, who says, the facts are always friendly. There is nothing dangerous or unsatisfying about being closer to the truth. I'm not able to opine on what the truth is here. But I've been told by a number of feminists on Twitter that I couldn't come here today because this event is sponsored, I understand, by the Alliance Defending Freedom, who don't support the right to abortion. Now, I disagree with that profoundly, and I'd be quite happy to get into a debate with them. But isn't this indicative of the real problem? You're having this discussion now. And the people you need to be discussing it with will refuse to listen to you well, course, because you are morally wrong for yeah, having these people got the right that not to, that they've got of course they've got the right to uh, object to a, abortion you know we'd all be happy to debate it with them I don't happen to agree with that but that is the problem it is the shutting down of opposing ideas and if I could just briefly return to our absurd carbon net zero policy here in Britain. Uh, What Keir Starmer's policies are based on, as were were, um, Boris Johnson's, is this, that uh, although if we get down to carbon net zero, it will make no difference to the planet's future whatsoever. The idea is is that uh, because we stop driving cars, start living in mud huts and go around uh, in, in uh, horses and carts, that Xi Jinping over in Beijing will go wake up in the middle of the night and go, Ooh, do you know what? I feel so bad about what Britain's doing. I'm going to completely change China's energy policy. Yeah. What a load of bollocks. Yeah. Yeah. You might bring Liz Truss up and say, a couple of pork uh, bellies for you if you want to buy them. We are being subjected to utter madness. But But this is the other thing. Uh, We mentioned this just before we started, Frank, that nothing in this country works. We've got an NHS that doesn't see any patients. We've got a border force that doesn't actually uh, protect the borders. Uh, We've got the police force that don't arrest people for for actual crimes, just for, you know, hate crimes. Uh, We've got the passport office, which has only just now started to come back to life. The DVLA 
forget about getting a driving licence. There doesn't seem to be anything that really works in this country, is there? It, that's right. Uh, and I, I could add the post office, where I've yes. spent a, a, lo, a, lo, a, lo, a, a disproportionate amount, amount of my time queuing up, Why? To, queuing up to get stuff done. Um, but anyway, anyway, the uh, interesting thing is, our elites are so incompetent, I mean, by historical standards, mm-hmm. whether it's in the domain of geopolitics or, or uh, health or, or defense, that they, it's almost as if they lost the capacity to push a button and say, let's get something done. Right. And you know that whatever they promise that's going to happen by next week or the week after, uh, it's not going to happen. Now, there are some rare exceptions. So during the pandemic, they actually managed to build three big hospitals in East London, which were never used. Right. You know, but nevertheless, I thought it was good that they... Because they, they know, didn't have enough people to put in them. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. But it, was, it demonstrated that it could be done, you know, that in, yeah. in, in principle... Policies could be implemented. Well, that was the army, I believe, and that's how they managed are, to do it, it, it so it was well. the That's army. why the Queen's funeral was, was so well done, and why the Queen's jubilee was so well done, because it was actually the military that <laughs> yeah. was doing it. But that's scary, because... That, that is the, a bit scary. The, the logic of that, do we want the military to you know, run the NHS? Or, because the logic at the moment is that we cannot rely upon the NHS bureaucracy, the managers there. Yeah. I mean, half the time they're staying at home. They're all these, yeah. They belong to this laptop, laptop class yes. where they issue orders from, from their yeah. digital bedrooms. And you, you got this incredible situation where, you know, sort of for the first time in, in, histori- in history, modern history, nothing gets done, and, and the incompetence of the elite only gets revealed a year later when a commission is, is kind of mounted to ask the question, why did we fail to do something? Yeah. Yeah, and all hospitals now have actually got net zero coordinators yeah. who are paid to do zero, of, zero to, work. Yeah, no work. <laughs> I also I saw, I saw a job. Home. I saw yeah. a job, but they're getting paid like a hundred thousand a year. These people, you know, to make sure that a hospital is driving towards net zero. And you go, yeah. well, shouldn't you actually be treating some fucking patients? I'm sorry. Um, let's talk about something else, which is an interesting one. You and I talked about this yeah. the other night. Moral censorship. Moral censorship. There's a new television show starting up soon with um, Jimmy Carr. At the helm. It's called Jimmy um, Carr Destroys Art. And basically, what they've done is they've been buying art drawn by people like Adolf Hitler and Rolf Harris. You never thought you'd hear those two names in the same sentence, no. right? Um, Who do you think was worse for humanity? Well, definitely Rolf, Rolf, Rolf Harris. Rolf. <laughs> Rolf. Yeah, Two Little Boys, yeah. a terrible song. He demoralised. Two Little Boys, yeah. I'll never forgive him yeah. for that. But the idea is, is that he asks the audience whether the painting should be destroyed, and they vote. And there's a controversy around buying this stuff because apparently, although Hitler's obviously not got an estate that's going to make any money, Rolf Harris does still have an estate that might make yeah. some money. And there's a conversation going on about whether this should be allowed. Yeah, the, in other, mean, of course in other, it should be allowed. In it? other words, uh, I mean, I'm not saying that Rolf and uh, Adolf's art is great, but if you think about people like Caravaggio, a murderer, uh, his art was great. Uh, Picasso, not a very nice man, uh, his oh. art was great. Uh, the, the question is, uh, should, should, you know, should we separate uh, uh, the moral character of the artist from the work he creates? My, a, view, my view is absolutely yes. It's a brilliant example of just how corrupting identity politics is. You have an identity. Everything you say and do is then a product of that identity. So it's not possible to agree with somebody who's got an identity you don't like. And I think the point you make is completely apt. Name me one painter, novelist or poet who's going to survive if their work can only be appreciated because they were 
acceptably morally pure. Mm. There won't be a single name on that list. I, I can mean, guarantee I mean, it. Chaucer now is being called a rapist mm. by, by English <laughs> department. Now, I don't know how they had that privileged information. Tra- he's a transphobic it, as well. It, it, it was a long time ago. So they're now actively talking of getting rid of the, essentially the founder of English, one of the founders yeah. of English literature, <laughs> on the grounds that I don't know how many, how many hundreds of years ago he may have been a rape. I, you know, and it's, it's a complete invention because nobody really knows what Chaucer right. was like. But would but, it matter if it wasn't an invention? Well, exactly, because the, the wives of Bath or any of his uh, lovely stories yeah. stand on their own merit. Right. And, and so many, uh, as, as Sarah was saying, so many of the authors and the painters were probably morally you know, corrupt or guilty of something. But when I look at their painting or I read their books... I'm not d- making a judgment on their behavior. I'm looking at what they've created. Yeah. And, you know, on a bad day, we can do horrible things. But on a good day, all of us can create something fantastic. And we should allow that fantastic creation to speak for itself. Well, is there any you know, merit to it, though? Because, I mean, like a lot of radio stations, for example, now won't play Michael Jackson songs, right? Yeah. And Michael Jackson... Good idea. Um, yeah. uh, you know, for whatever, whether you like Michael Jackson songs or not, you know, Michael Jackson was never found... Guilty of anything? Yeah, was yeah. He wasn't. I, I mean, yeah. I know there are stories. I, about I read it. the statement by Geordie Chan. Yeah, well, you, his you may have done. 111 yeah, pages. You may have done. But the bottom line is, he was not convicted of anything. Yeah, I mean, he was a creep. Yeah, but, yeah. He bought himself. He did a print, uh, Prince Andrew, didn't he? He bought himself out 28 million dollars. So, what are you saying that they shouldn't play his music? Then? Well, is it, uh, is it dangerous? Thanks for listening to part two of the Thought Police Live at the Battle of Ideas Festival. Part three coming soon.